watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop has it with the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Ruby run. 15-10. Hit, hit, hit in. Bradley's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In oh, to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 FM heard wherever you are whatever you are doing ESPN app seen heard and everything in between on the mighty QSportsTalk.com, a place where you can watch a radio show as it happens. I mean, by golly, does it get better than that? Come on. Name something better than that. Okay, there's probably a few. But we're very high on the list. Top 30 at least. You can watch the show at QSportsTalk.com. You can chat with us throughout the show. Give us your takes uh, as much as you'd like, really. Once, twice, five, ten. You know, just don't go too crazy now. Nobody likes, you know, somebody who's. You want to hang with the social person at the party, but there's you can also talk too much, right? Like, okay, like can take a breath, take a drink, right? That's kind of the chat, just steady pace, steady pace, right? But that's the beauty of it. You can opine as much as you'd like to in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. So hang. We'll be there with you, and uh, during uh, radio breaks, we'll be with you. Whoa, how does that work? What kind of sorcery are we talking about here? Uh, we just keep the mic on, keep the camera on, and keep talking to our friends on QSportsTalk.com, give them some exclusive content while our radio friends are in commercial. So, however you're taking us in today, we greatly appreciate that. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Do you know what we had here in downtown Syracuse today? Thunderhill. That's right. Beautiful, typical Central New York day. The sun shining, then there's thunder hail, and then the sun shining. Yep, typical day here downtown. So hope you're having a lovely day, and uh, whether you had thunder hail or not. Thanks for joining us here on this Tuesday. We have two great guests joining us. Joe Gerard. Joins us every Tuesday, thanks to RomanoCars.com. We will uh, recap Duke. We will preview Clemson. We will get his thoughts on seeing a record student crowd at the JMA Wireless Dome. His thoughts on something we're about to get into here in the monologue as well on the Syracuse women's basketball team. So looking forward to having Joe Girard on the program. Speaking of Syracuse women's basketball, Felicia Leggett-Jack, she's the head coach. She joins us every Tuesday on this program at 520. Thanks to Wegmans. And Bill Rapp Superstore, looking forward to getting Coach Jack's thoughts on 
something we're about to get into. A couple of words that should put a little jolt in your step. Last four in. One more game in the regular season against Pittsburgh. To close it out, they will have Sunday off and then the ACC tournament. Things are getting exciting. Not that they haven't been already, but it's starting to get real here for this team. So we'll get Coach Jack's thoughts on that. Senior day, an emotional senior day at the Dome on Sunday. Big win over Miami there and um, all things Syracuse women's basketball with Coach Jack. We'll do that later in the show. There is a really screwed up situation going on at Alabama in their basketball team right now. If you have not seen the latest on this, we'll update you during hot takes. It is it is wild. It and for Nate Oates might lose his job over this. That's how serious this has become. I'm sure you've heard that a member of the basketball team was charged with capital murder for an incident that happened. I believe it was like a what was that like a month ago? I believe that took place. It was recently, and then their best player has been implicated in that he brought the gun to the scene that was actually used to murder somebody. And everybody's just kind of like, well, nothing we can do about that. Nate Oates is quoted as saying out there today that hey, what happens outside of practice. I don't know what the hell, you know, I can't tell you. It's incredible what is happening down there, right? Let, let me give you the exact quote here because you wouldn't believe it if I just came on here and said it, Right. Can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, Nobody knew someone was going to get murdered in that situation. But also saying that wrong place, wrong time. Called his best player bringing a gun to the scene. Just, yeah, just, yeah, wrong place, wrong time. I just, what? That's a legal process. you got to let it play out. So uh, I will say allegedly on some of these things, but... These are coming from law enforcement saying, yeah, he brought the gun to the scene. We know this now. It's like, yeah, it's the wrong place, wrong time. What? And this is a top five team in the country. This is a team that's in the short breath that can win the national championship. This, this is just mind-boggling, even by today's standards, where nothing really surprises me anymore. So we'll get into that during hot takes a little bit here. And we'll hear from you throughout the afternoon, 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, and as mentioned, the live chat at QSportsTalk.com. We've talked so much about March Madness, NIT, college basketball, postseasons, and it has honed on and focused on the Syracuse University men's basketball team. We all know that this team's got to win the ACC tournament. To get to the NCAA tournament, they might play their way into the NIT, but their postseason fate is fading before our very eyes here. Meanwhile, things are starting to get real. Coach Jack's team. I got to admit, I got a little jolt when I saw this today. Not that I didn't know they were in the conversation, and I knew that that game against Miami was important, and they got that win at home on senior day. It was a really interesting fourth quarter, as we'll talk to Coach Jack about later in the show. And I just, it didn't register with me because I look at an ACC record and I, I see eight and nine, and the people that follow it closely have told you, like, man, they needed that game. Tim Leonard's talked about that. I've seen college basketball experts out there. Our friend Kelly Gramlich, who does terrific analysis on the ACC Network, I saw on Twitter saying, man, what a big win that was. And I, I don't know why, it just didn't hit me. Until today, when I looked at Charlie Cream's bracketology, saw that it had been updated. And I guess 
I was fully expecting it to say outside looking in, in the hunt, you know, one of those things. But under the head of last four in, Mississippi State, Princeton, Syracuse, West Virginia, Charlie Cream, here comes the pun alert, is the cream of the crop when it comes to women's, I'm, I'm sorry, I had to use it. I didn't have any other ones. I didn't have like a Paul Sebelia dad joke ready to go. Just go with me on this, okay? That's the pun you got to use. But in all seriousness, Charlie is it. See, with men's college basketball, there are so many bracketologists and the bracket matrix, you can get lost in a sea of this stuff. And there's a number of people that do it for the women's game. But to Charlie's credit, he has become the Joe Lenardi of women's college basketball bracketology. And, and somebody even rolled their eyes at me saying that because Lenardi hasn't exactly been the most accurate in recent years. There are much more accurate bracketologists there. But look, Lenardi's the GOAT. Lenardi invented bracketology. And if a few people have lapped him with their fancy analytics and some of these other things, then so be it. But nobody would be doing this stuff and getting the recognition of it if it weren't for Joe Lenardi. So I'm, I still have a lot of respect for Joey Brackets in that sense. Charlie Cream has stepped up and become that for women's college basketball. Anybody that's doing that on the women's college basketball side owes Charlie Cream a debt of gratitude because he made it a thing that there's enough interest for people to go there and not only see his bracketology, but the other ones that are out there. So he is the standard. And when I looked at his today, there's Syracuse sitting there last four in. And I thought to myself, man, first of all, what an accomplishment. Coach Jack comes in. Now, look, nobody's winning anything yet. Let me be clear here. Like, that doesn't get them in the tournament. This is the opinion of a bracketologist. But it's a credible opinion of a bracketologist who knows what he's doing here. And it shows you the position they are in. Syracuse in the best league in women's college basketball. They would be the ninth team in, by the way, if this holds. If they take care of business against Pittsburgh on Thursday, which, frankly, Pittsburgh's a terrible team, so you got to do that. Anything can happen on any given day. I understand that. It's sports. But you take care of a business against Pitt. We mentioned they got the bye on Sunday. Right now, the ACC tournament would set up an 8-9 matchup between Syracuse and NC State. That could essentially be a play-in game to the tournament. Those are the two bottom seeds, obviously, in the ACC. Syracuse only lost by two to NC State. And when you look at the schedule and you look at the games, and we've talked about it with Coach Jack, and you've heard it on these airwaves and on their shows, but if you haven't been following, like there is not an ACC game, really, that Syracuse has not been in. And Coach Jack comes on this show every Tuesday and talks about you know a lot of things, but she talks about how our team plays hard and has to fight and has to believe in each other and has really emphasized from the minute she walked in here, from that first press conference on, Basically, like, you do not want to play us because we are going to push you to the limit. Even if we don't win, you're going to walk away from that game saying, man, I don't want to play that team. And that has held firm. Now, she brought in some great talent. I mean, Deja Fair is as good as it gets. And now we're in a conversation here, and Coach Jack will tell you this herself. She said it on this show. She said it in post game. She's not hiding the fact of what is out there and is ever-present. All this discussion, and we had it yesterday, okay, about Judah Mintz and whether or not he's going to go pro and what you have to do in the world of college basketball these days, of course, is step up NIL money 
So it's worth the while of a player that could get drafted to come back. Get paid while you're here, upping your draft value instead of jumping into the pros and kind of waddling through the G League and, and that kind of thing, making what could be, frankly, the same amount of money if you can really up the name, image, and likeness. Coach Jack has been outright campaigning for fair to get more NIL money for this reason because she could be a first-round pick, second-round pick, at the very least it seems, in the WNBA draft. Now, there's options out there in women's basketball. The WNBA is the king of the, uh, the, you know, the queen of the crop, if you will. But they don't quite have the system that the men's game does in terms of the G League. So the other option is to go international. And you can make some money going international, but, man, just look at the Brittany Griner situation, and you can really find yourself in, in, in some, in, you really got to do your homework on where to go internationally. There's been a lot of, I mean, look at what uh, Brianna Stewart was doing. In campaigning to, she ends up with the New York Liberty, but when she was kind of going through free agency and there was, she was playing a fun game about where she was going to go, but she flat out said on social media, we need chartered flights, right? And when you listen to WNBA players, they are you know campaigning for things that are just standard in the men's game. Here we are in 2023, and they don't have the WNBA, which is how long has that league been going now, 20, 25 years or so? I don't know the exact date it started, but these are things they should have by now, especially a league funded by the NBA. So my point is, Fair doesn't have quite the options that a Judah Mintz would, but there's options, right? She could be the test case for the first player, and remember how young NIL is, that would be brought back with a Now, she gets NIL money now. Adam Weitzman has put on his Instagram that she is one of the most, uh, how, can I, how can I put this, she's one of the top endorsed players in the ACC in that department. But you still have Coach Fair saying, or pardon me, Coach Jack saying about Fair, hey, we've got to step this up because if she comes back, boy, think about what kind of team we could have. Now, they could have a hell of a run this year, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. So that's all next year, and that's things that go beyond this season, and that's just kind of what you have to do these days as a coach. You can't keep it one game at a time. You kind of have to keep it in the future. That was a very emotional exchange that she had with Fair on senior day and, you know, was that the last goodbye? We don't know. That's the world we live in today. You have to have an emotional goodbye in that setting because you don't know if she's going to be back. But here's what I do know. This team's last four in, according to Charlie Cream. They take care of business against Pitt. If they make some noise in the ACC tournament, it may only have to be that game against NC State. There will be a Syracuse basketball team in the NCAA tournament. Considering the shuffling of the deck that Coach Jack had to do, the talent she brought in basically hit the reset button on the roster short of a few players that came back to, to anchor things that wanted to stick it out here at Syracuse. And think of the reward that would be for the players that did stay to anchor this thing after a tumultuous couple of years before Coach Jack comes in and completely flips the script on how you feel about Syracuse basketball, how you feel about that team, because – Coach Q had a lot of success, and then we found out what we found out, and it put a big stain on that. That was a big mess to clean up. Even Vaughn Reed in his one year as interim coach, it was a losing season. It was a weird spot to be in, but 
I don't think he was really accountable about a lot of the things that happened. And he was there. He was the assistant coach. He saw all that happen, right? And that was just an awkward thing. I think it's a mistake that Syracuse made, but ultimately led to Coach Jack coming back. And in one year's time, the script has been completely flipped. You already felt better about this program. You hear Coach Jack at these press conferences and on this show and see her on the sideline, wherever you see her, wherever you hear and that jolt of energy you get from that. Not even knowing how the team's doing, but see now what's catching up to all that. And she would be the first to tell you all along, like we've got to validate this at some point. You give them a little wiggle room, of course, to get things established, get your system into play and just kind of figure out what you're doing. But folks, if this team makes the tournament, that is a heck of an accomplishment, and it will give you something to root for that is not there with the men's team. It will fill that void. My hope is that more people have the revelation that I did today, and it shouldn't have taken me this long. It's just certain things hit you differently. Even knowing how important that Miami game was, like I, it just didn't hit me until today I pull up bracketology, and there it is. Last four in. Like, man, this is real. This is real. This team could do this. So get on board, friends. Because there could be a Syracuse basketball team in the NCAA tournament. It's looking more and more like that's going to be the case. On that note, we will break. We'll talk some more basketball on the other side. Our weekly chat with Joe Girard back on Tuesday. We did it on Thursday last week because they had a Tuesday game day. But when there's not a Tuesday game day, Joe joins us on Tuesdays. Thanks to our friends at RomanoCars.com. We'll get Joe's thoughts on Duke and a number of Syracuse basketball issues coming up here on the other side. We'll hear from you throughout the afternoon at 437-7644. So much to do. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. That's right, baby. Welcome back. Around the Block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Our friends at QSportsTalk.com, we're getting a little exclusive content uh, during the commercial break. That's what we do. We keep the mic and the camera on and keep talking to our friends at QSportsTalk.com. So a couple of mock drafts out today. It's like mock draft season. I get it. Like I think there's a new one every day. But Matthew Bergeron, 35 to the Colts. Garrett Williams, 61 to the Panthers in a draft put out by CBS today. Dane Brugler is a terrific uh, draft analyst for The Athletic. He's got Bergeron ranked 53rd overall. Garrett Williams ranked 66th overall. And Sean Tucker ranked 94th overall in his top 100. So that could produce something here, as we're going to talk about on QSportsTalk.com shortly. Something that has not happened. I'm just going to say this because I don't want to give it away in a long time when it comes to the NFL draft and Syracuse. Uh, the USFL draft today, unfortunately, no Syracuse players were taken there. But you got a few Qs players in the XFL, and that's another thing we were discussing is the weird rules in the XFL that might actually get me to watch. There's three down, uh, not three down, there's three-point conversions Instead of taking the onside kick, you can, like, go for it on, essentially they give you a fourth and 15, and if you convert it, you get the ball back. And I don't know, man. I like wacky rules like this. Remember the original XFL when they would make them, like, battle for the football to start the game? 
We can't do that anymore, right? Right, Vince McMahon? This is the XFL. That XFL documentary is just terrific. Like The fact that that happened and the way it happened is still boggles my mind. So let's see if this iteration of the XFL comes around. Got some wacky rules, that's for sure. Uh, let us break, give you an orange slice, come back, talk some hoops. Stay right there. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh, we're grooving. Welcome back. Glad to have you here on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Coach Jack, presented by Bill Rapp Superstore and Wegmans coming up. Looking forward to talking about a team that, according to Bracketology, Last four in today, your 2023 NCAA tournament. Uh, as far as the men's team goes, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do just in terms of a postseason period. We were talking to Joe Girard earlier. We thank him for joining us, as always, here on Tuesdays. Uh, when it's not a game day, we talked to Joe on Tuesdays. When it is, uh, we bumped it up to Thursday. So we had a Tuesday chat this week with Joe about just kind of everything going on here, including uh, the wacky world of the ACC and how that's coming down the stretch. And, you got a Clemson team that, you know, uh, life is not what it seems here when you glance at the college basketball standings. Because in now, I remember the last year, too. At this time last year, we were looking at the ACC and saying, what in the world happened here? Can I pull up last year? I don't know if I can pull up last year's standings. Actually, I, ooh, I think it's going to let me. Look at that. Gotta love technology. So this is where the ACC standings were last year. Okay, well, this is how they finished, but yeah, we're pretty much at the end of the road. Duke sixteen and four, Notre Dame fifteen and five, Carolina fifteen and five, Miami fourteen and six, Wake Forest thirteen and seven, Virginia twelve and eight, Virginia Tech eleven and nine, and then big uh, cutoff there. Florida State goes 10 and 10. Syracuse, remember, who finished with a losing record at 16 and 17, 9 and 11 in the league, didn't play in any postseasons. And you go down the list here, and there was only four, five, six. There's only seven teams in the league that finished with a winning record in league play Florida State, Syracuse, Clemson, Louisville, Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech, NC State. NC State safely in the tournament, finished 4 and 16 in the league last year, right? So, of course, the narrative going into the tournament was the ACC's trash, which they flipped on its head because Duke and North Carolina went to the Final Four. Miami made a deep run. They had a better record than the Big Ten. Remember Jim Beheim's comment at media day to start the season about how the Big Ten had, uh, let's just say, a lackluster run in the tournament. So here's where we're at now. Virginia 13-3, and Miami 13-4, and they're in. Pitt, 12-4 and four in the ACC. They are considered a team that's likely in, but nobody's writing that in in pen. Clemson is the fourth-place team in the league. They're 11-5, and five, and they're in danger of making the tournament. This is a good thing, by the way. Like, for all the talk of the flaws that are in the net rankings, the fact that we scrutinize this, who did you beat, What's your non-conference slate like? And they have the 344th rated non-conference slate. They lost to Louisville. Who Look, Louisville's 2-15 and 15 in the league. They're 4-24 and 24 overall. So this sounds weird for me to say. They've actually been playing a lot better lately. 
They actually gave Duke a bit of a game last night. Duke pulled away and won that game, but I think if you watch that game, and that, Lukey, you would know, did Duke cover last night? I don't think Duke ended up covering in that game. If I recall correctly, they were a pretty big favorite in that matchup. They won 79-62, so I guess it depends on which, uh, for entertainment purposes only, service you were going with. I think they just covered. They did not cover. What was it, Lukey? 18 and a half. 79-62. That was close. That was close. So they ended up uh, just about covering or not covering, in some cases, depending on which uh, you got. But let me go back to my other screen here. Give me a sec here. But this is where the scrutiny of the net rankings, the tournament, the measurables, all this stuff works. Because if you just put this in front of a committee 10 years ago, they would just look at the records and be like, all right, let's see, Virginia, Miami, Pitt, Clemson, NC State, Duke, Wake Forest, Syracuse, come on in. By golly, if you are got that kind of record in the ACC, we're just going to put you around the tournament. Now, now you can't do that anymore. You have to scrutinize records. What'd you do on the road? What'd you do in non-conference play? The quad system's not perfect, but if you're 0-9 in quad one games like North Carolina is, you don't belong on the tournament. You don't. What? Give me a reason why North Carolina should be in the NCAA tournament right now. You can't. And don't tell me it's brand name. Like some people are making that case to me that Syracuse is going to get into the NIT just based on brand name. Uh, no, <laughs> that's not going to be good enough. Now, if they win three of their last four and a couple in the tournament, then I think the NIT would have a hard time keeping Syracuse out. But the people that follow this stuff, and they're out there. The NIT bracketologists will tell you. Now, every committee is different, but last year's committee leaned so hard on metrics that the leftovers that got into the NIT that did make the NCAA tournament, it was just all metric-based. And Syracuse doesn't have the metrics lining up, at least right now. So when I was looking at this, and I think Syracuse fans, hopefully they can make some kind of run down the stretch here, I still think if you beat Pitt and you beat Clemson, that holds water. Because those are the third and fourth place teams in the league. You beat a, a Pitt team that's 12 and 4 in the league. You beat a Clemson team that's 11 and 5 in the league. Like, it's not Syracuse's problem that those teams did not live up to standards. Their net ranking is flawed. Their strength of schedule is flawed. It's like, look, we can only play who's put on the schedule. And by what is here, you have to be given credit for those wins, right? But I want to know. I went over it earlier in the show. Even Brendan from the Athletic really looked at it and said Clemson losing to Louisville. That might have tilted. Let me let me put it this way. That might have been you hit the iceberg. You lose to Syracuse, you're going to sink, right? The slow leak has started, but if Clemson loses to Syracuse tomorrow, like I think they're out. Some people think they're out now. And that's not a discredit to Syracuse. They're right in the middle of the pack. To Syracuse's credit, the teams below them in the ACC, now Carolina beat them, but they beat Boston College, they split with Virginia Tech, uh, Florida State, Georgia Tech, who they get again coming up here, Notre Dame, Louisville. You took care of business there. When you look up in the standings, they still have to play Wake Forest, 
Duke beat them. They did beat NC State. Clemson and Pitt coming up. Lost to Miami. Lost to Virginia twice. Sitting there right in the middle. There was a time and a place in college basketball where that just would have been good enough. So we can debate the metrics, the net system, whether this is good or not, the scrutiny that's put there, how it changes the way people schedule. It still doesn't change the fact you can't lose to Bryant and Colgate. Colgate's going to be a tournament team again. I'm fairly confident they're going to win the uh, Patriot League again. The bracketology I saw today, I know there's a million of them, but uh, Lenardi's latest had Colgate as a 14 seed playing a third seed Virginia. Who doesn't want to see that game? Come on. That would be one of the juiciest first-round matchups if Lenardi ends up being right and they're in range for that type of game, right? So that's a good loss in a way, but you still can't, if you're Syracuse, lose in back-to-back years to Colgate. That still hurts. It still matters. Whereas in the past, you didn't even think about non-conference play. It was just a warm-up. It was an appetizer. Who cares? All that matters is what you do in the league, and not anymore. The league is what's most important and where it's most weighted. But even the ACC, Virginia and Miami are locks. Pitt and Clemson are not. NC State and Duke are did based on their wins and the metrics to what is the category? The should-be-in category, right? But to sit here today on February 21st, with this just a part of our daily lives now over the next couple of weeks, if I was going to put money, okay, Brent, list the teams you know are in the ACC and you're, that from the ACC that are in the NCAA tournament and you're so confident that you're going to put money on it. I would say Virginia, Miami, Pitt, I'm going to put them in, NC State, Duke. Those are the only teams I would be confident to put money on at this point. So, yeah, the narrative was tilted one way and the ACC kicked butt in the tournament, but what if you only get five teams in the league in the NCAA tournament? That's two years in a row. The league fell short in a lot of different ways. It's quite the opposite on the women's side because Syracuse could be the ninth team in to the tournament. We'll talk to Coach Jack about that next. Stay right there.